Hey there, you're listening to the Sunshine Speechy Podcast. I'm your host, Nancy, bringing you all the information you need to know about getting into SLP graduate school and becoming a successful SLP. Join me every other Wednesday as I talk to SLP experts about current research and methods in the field, as well as undergraduate and graduate students and everyday SLPs just like you and I. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a positive review to help others find my podcast. Make sure you don't miss out on additional resources and more by following me on Instagram at Sunshine Speechy. In addition, check out my YouTube channel, where I share even more advice about the graduate school application process, as well as my own experience in graduate school. Today, we're talking to an SLP who completed her externship and CF thousands of miles away from her graduate program. We'll talk about her externship and CF advice, how to get your dream CF far away from your current location, and more. Let's get started. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Sunshine Speechy podcast. I'm your host, Nancy, and today I am joined by Emily Ann. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So just to start out, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a speech pathologist I'm out in California. Currently, I'm at a hospital acute care. Um, I've been out here for about two years, but I've done you know private practice out here. I've helped out at a school. Um, but I came out here originally for my externship, which turned into my clinical fellowship. And um, that kind of kept me here. So coming from University of Alabama out to California, there's actually one other girl in my cohort that um, was from San Diego and came out here too. So, you know, it is possible to kind of go wherever you want to go, but and do whatever setting you want to do. You just kind of have to put your mind to it and, you know, get out there. But um, that's kind of a little bit about me. Okay, awesome. And how did you decide what setting that you wanted to work in after grad school? Um, to be honest, what brought me into the whole field was head and neck cancer. I had interned at Greenville Hospital System during undergrad when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I was a communications undergrad and, you know, it's it was hard for me to decide what I really wanted to do with that. So I was looking into what kind of graduate programs I could do. And um, I loved working with that population. You know, I saw they did a lot of research at the time with um, MUSC used to have a speech program and they got rid of it, but they had done a lot of research with Greenville Hospital System on not only reactively treating people with head and neck cancer, but um, proactively. So treating people as soon as they were diagnosed with any kind of head and neck cancer starting um, you know, swallowing exercises and um, really comprehensive uh, speech therapy treatment. And it helped reduce the amount of, you know, fibrosis that people had with their muscles with chemo radiation and really helped keep things more intact um, for afterwards. And I thought it was so wild to see as a student and the big impact that, you know, speech had made on people being able to keep their speech and swallowing through, you know, something, a really unfortunate um, life circumstance. And that's actually what really brought me into wanting to work more on the medical side of things. Um, so that kind of translated through all of my clinical placements in grad school. I kind of found my heart was always with the adult setting. 
Um, not that I didn't enjoy and learn from pediatric as well, but that's kind of what brought me in, in in the first place. Okay, cool. Yeah, I honestly have not really had much exposure to that population. So that's really interesting. What made you want to move so far away from your grad program for your externship? Um, mainly, you know, I've lived in the Southeast my entire life. I've lived in, you know, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina. Um, I wanted to do something different. And what was nice about my program, um, I don't know if your program or every program offers an externship, but um, Alabama, they did. So you could kind of do your externship. They encouraged it to be more in-state, but there was no limitation. You just had to find a place that was willing to make a contract with your school. Um, and so the reason I chose California was um, I had my mom's twin sister out here, my cousin who's eight days younger than me, you know, a lot of um, close family and some friends. And I was like, you know, it'll just be for a semester. It's something different. Um, and I had a living situation I could fall into really easily. Um, it really just made a lot of sense at the time. And that's kind of when I chose it on a whim. It was, uh, it was really out of character for me, but ended up working out obviously. Um, but yeah, it was just something fun and different at the time. Yeah, that's awesome. I would definitely consider doing that. Um, so how did you go about applying to externships that were so far away from your program? Yeah, so my program, they did have a contract with us, uh, I think LA school district actually, but I knew I didn't want to do a school. So I still did have to do kind of my own headhunting Um and what I did is actually the same thing I did to get my internship at Greenville Hospital System. So this would go for, you know, people who are wanting an internship, maybe even before grad school. I went through um, on Google Maps, like typed in like whatever kind of setting you're looking for. So like acute care or um, at the time I wanted to try actually a private practice. I hadn't done that during my graduate experience. And I was like, you get to see pediatrics and adults and some of them. I was like, let me try that out. So I typed in private practice um, for speech therapy in Google Maps. And I just cold called companies and um, talked with different speech therapists and to see if they would be interested. And of course, I got a lot of no's. Um, you know, a lot of people who didn't want to offer that or only wanted to offer it to maybe clinical fellows. Um, but I did finally find a private practice that would want to work with me. And they did sign um, with Alabama. And the nice thing is, is that once Alabama contracts with a place, you know, future students can use that too. And that's how a lot of schools handle externships is as soon as they sign with um, said company or said school district. Um, usually that's kind of that bond is already made. So future students could use it as well. That's cool. So you're kind of like paving the way in case anyone else wants to move out here. Yeah. In case anyone else is wanting to be crazy and move across the country. Yeah, that's like very brave. I can't imagine just like cold calling places. I kind of did that a little bit to get my internships through like Kidnetics. I think you might you might know who they are or just like the Greenville Memorial Hospital. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there was still something set up. So like, I would be so scared to call them, but I'm glad that it worked out and that you weren't I know. deterred. By they were probably yeah. like, who's this girl from Alabama trying to call out here? I think she has the wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. They probably saw the area code and were like, no. <laughs> yeah, definitely happened once or twice. 
<laughs> so what's your advice for acing your externship interviews um, or CF interviews, especially those for competitive medical placements? Because I don't know about your grad school, but I feel like most grad schools are constantly telling you how competitive medical placements are. How do you kind of stand apart? Yeah, so for clinical fellowships, if I'm going to be totally, and I mean, I could be wrong from my stance, but I didn't have any standards. Like my dream, like I said, was always to get into the medical field. But like I said, my externship was at a private practice when they gave me an offer for my CF, I took it, you know, I just wasn't trying to be picky because it's a springboard to, you know, at least having some more experience and being more respected in a medical setting. Um, but, you know, I would recommend doing what I started doing was I started doing per diem with um, a sniff, which allowed for me to really have a lot more medical based experience with adults while I was here um, before, you know, signing on with a hospital. Um, but for a CF, there really are few, I mean, state to state, it's a lot different on what they will allow, but I would say 99% of medical settings here in California don't even take, um, CF. So you kind of have to have in your head, you know, that you're going to need someplace that, you know, is going to provide supervision and provide that for you. It does differ state to state. Cause I know, um, girls in my cohort that got, uh, their CF with, the neonatal ICU, which is never heard of. And, you know, just things can happen and you don't really, so definitely go for it, go and see if those opportunities are out there. But I would just say for your CF, just realize that it's part of, um, part of just another step you have to take and getting to where you want to go. It may not be that end goal right away, but just for applying for whatever's open. So even if it's unfortunately, you know, I shouldn't say unfortunately because people, you know, a lot of people want to be in a school, but for someone who did not want to be, I'm just saying like, if that is your only opportunity, you know, I would still um, take it because it is a good experience and you're still getting job experience. You can apply that another way to go to something more geared towards your interest. Um, But yeah, CFs are a little bit more tricky, especially if you're wanting to get into the medical setting, just because it's, it's hard to find. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Cause I feel like it's good to hear that. Like, just because you didn't do your CF in medical, that doesn't like make it more difficult for you to go into medical. It's kind of the other way around. And I've definitely heard, mm-hmm. especially with COVID and everything that's happening, people are even less likely to take CFs because they just don't have like the time or the manpower to like train you. And they want people who are able to just like go and be ready. Um, so that definitely makes sense. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, some of these medical settings too, it's just, yeah, like you said, there's just not, there haven't been the resources to have that time even to, you know, meet with a CF and, and the private practice, I actually felt like it was a great setting as a CF to kind of build a confidence, build experience, your own autonomy and time management, things that you think you have under control in grad school, but then, you know, you're all on your own in a sense, even, um, you know, with a good supervisor, there are moments where you're like, okay, this is really good practice. Um, but you know, you could always do it with a medical setting too. It's just, it is different right now with COVID for sure. Yes. So how did you, so you said that you did part-time work or per diem with a sniff. Does that mean, were you like working weekends or were you like, what was your schedule like? 
Yeah. So I was working full time with a private practice for a while. And then um, I just realized it wasn't a good fit for me. Um, once my CF was kind of coming to a close, they um, got bought out by an ABA based therapy. So it was moving a lot more towards, um, yeah. you know, behavior, like the focus was different and the priority was different. So I was looking at other opportunities. Um, and I decided to go with a sniff that told me they wanted me during the week, but I did start with the weekends before I, um, before I stepped back from the private practice and then I was doing the sniff and the private practice for a while, but I was actually just doing a couple hours. I was doing both during the weekday. Okay. So I was going in the morning to the sniff in the afternoon to the private practice. So I was able to split it, but I had to take a step back from full time, um, with them. So I actually did take a risk and I had to, you know, pay for my own insurance, like things like that, that you do when you're per diem. But I also yeah. knew I wanted to take that step so I could go work with adults and, you know, get the potential for a full-time opportunity and, um, you know, take a little bit more, um, control of what setting I wanted to work with. So you have to kind of prioritize, you know, what sacrifices you want to make or what makes the most sense for you. But at the time I knew I wanted to make a change. Yeah. It's like so involved. There's so many factors that you have to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. No, there really are. And, you know, especially with COVID, it's like things change every day and there's different needs. And I mean, I would, my private practice is contracted with a school. So then they asked me, you know, can you stop coming in and just see these students for a while this past year? So I was doing online Zoom calls for a season. Um, <laughs> and you know it's just you have to be able to roll with the changes you know yeah so what's your advice on how to or sorry what's your advice for other SLPs who are hoping to find an externship or a CF that's far away from their current location I would say you know come up with a game plan uh you know put a list together of different people you can reach out to places like any kind of resource you have is great. I mean, you really do want to hold on to previous supervisors you've had because even though you think like, oh, I haven't talked to them, you know, in years, they're actually great resources because a lot of places want um, lots of references, especially more competitive medical based um, applications. I mean, my last place that I'm with now, I had six different references. So, I mean, you really want to hold on to who you've worked with and use those resources to help, um, you know, get you into the kind of setting you want to be in. Uh, but for the most part, I would recommend it's hard because in California coming from Alabama, I really didn't have any speech resources. I only had um, resources in the Southeast. And so I knew I was possibly sacrificing that, but the truth is, is you network as you go and every city you go to, I find that the speech community isn't as big as you really think it is. People all really know each other once you're kind of in one setting and then you kind of float to another, you find so many people are interconnected and you can kind of network to get yourself to the medical setting or to whatever setting you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. That's really helpful. And then what's your advice on how to prepare for an externship and how to survive once you're in it? Um, yeah. So this one, I would say an externship is so similar to any clinical placement in the sense that 
I don't know what the format is for all of the schools out there, but for us, it was, you know, where you start your clinical placement, you shadow the SLP, and then they kind of start handing off, you know, oh, how about you take the data um, this session? Or how about, you know, you can treat and I'll watch and then it should transition to where, you know, you're treating and they're kind of observing you or where you're a little bit more independent. And for my externship, they really prepared me well, as far as I was um, paired off with the head SLP and I shadowed her for, you know, a week or two. And then I started treating more and more. So by the end of it, you know, we were in a shared room and she would be with a patient. I would be with a patient and we would just meet that criteria of how much you have to be shadowed and how much you need to um, have supervision for. And so that's why they did feel really confident by the end of the session or end of my externship. Um, they were like, oh, you would be a great fit here and you're graduating. So, you know, I would just say, apply yourself, even if it's not your dream setting, you know, because it could end up turning into an opportunity. How did you handle the logistics of completing your externship so far away? So for example, your rent, I think you said you actually had somewhere to live. And then how did you honestly find friends in your new city too? Yeah. So like I said, I got really lucky in the sense that my cousin is um, a little over a week younger than me and we're really close. And so um, he'd been working out here with um, Medtronics for probably, I mean, we graduated at the same time for, so for as long as I was in grad school, he had been out here Um, and it was actually easy to fall in. He had a, a friend who needed a roommate. And so, you know, we really got along and was pretty easy to find other people. And then luckily, um, I met another speech therapist who was only a semester older than me. That was in her CF right when I moved here. And, um, you know, she's my best friend here. So I actually got really lucky too with finding a speech therapist close in age. Cause sometimes when you're going through your clinical fellowship, you think you're the only one going through your clinical fellowship. Um, but yeah, living situation, I would definitely get to know an area cause you want for me, I wanted to be close to my externship. Um, and I really was about 15 minutes away, but I would probably recommend prioritizing, making sure you can get to, you know, where you're going to be working. Yeah, definitely. And then do you have any other advice or information to share with future SLPs? Yeah, I would just say, you know, I can't imagine going through grad school at the time you guys are and trying to figure this out all with COVID going on because, you know, I really did value that hands-on time I got, you know, learning through clinical placements. So just, you know, take every opportunity with as much as you can and, um, you know, really do try to gain that knowledge because once you're out there and applying it, what you learned in grad school, um, you know, I feel like I learned the most in those clinical settings and observing SLPs, even if I wasn't the one treating them. So just really, you know, pay attention to your supervisors, and you know, and other SLPs style of treatment, because you may pick up on different, you know, tricks here and there that kind of work better. And you're like, Oh, I'm glad I saw that because I would have never thought to approach this from that angle. Um, I would just kind of take as many tools as you can going forward. And I mean, it's got to be an added challenge, you know, having that um, online component now, but also adds more opportunity. There's so many opportunities for um, SLPs online now, too. That's true. There's a lot of like P 
people can kind of live wherever they want and be like a remote SLP. Mm-hmm. And it's actually funny. Um, my first first year of grad school, we had a debate our first semester, and it was whether um, telemedicine um, is just as effective as in-person medicine or therapy. And the teletherapy people actually won. They said it was as effective. I don't know. I was on the for in-person side, but I was like, I think about that sometimes. I'm like, oh, they were ahead of the time thinking, you know, so many people are doing teletherapy now. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. Different world. It is. And then where can people reach you if they want to reach out with like questions? Um, I guess probably my email, just emilymcginn at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah, I'm always happy to answer questions. I felt like I was navigating on my own when I was trying to get into grad school and going through some of this. So I totally relate to anyone who feels that way. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the Sunshine Speechy Podcast.